I want to talk to you about something that I'm developing. I'm calling it the Great Invitation. And um, there's two parts to this, okay? So the first part is kind of out there, and the second part is right in here uh, to you and to me. Um, and the first thing I want to say is there is a great invitation for others that we can extend. And I said recently at our vision gathering for us as a church, we've reshaped our mission statement, our vision statement. And it's very simply this. We exist to help people find and follow Jesus. Isn't that simple? We exist. We want to, we're helping people to find and follow Jesus. That's our mission. That's what we want to do. That's what we want to do in Rowley, isn't it? That's what we want to do in Hagley. That's what we want to do in Hale Zoe. And that's what we want to do in Albania. That's what we want to do wherever we are in our communities. We want to help people find and follow Jesus. And so, so I want to break that down a little bit for us. That's about the way we live our lives wherever we live our lives. We, we used a phrase a year or two ago. Uh, it basically said, uh, we're about everyone, everywhere, every day. Do you remember that? Everyone, everywhere, every day. So helping people find and follow Jesus is about where you live. Um, I was away with Andy just over the last 24 hours, uh, not just the two of us, weird, uh, but with some other leaders uh, in the area who are dreaming and we are dreaming and um, planning and um, asking God uh, for inspiration to reach a, a generation of young people in our borough over the next 24 months leading up to 2020. And, 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 where, and what stirs us is not what we can do, but what our young people could do to reach their generation for Jesus. Because, because that's where they are. Because as Andy said so well when we were away, we can go into a school or we can get a, a band to go into a school, but our young people are in the school all the time. And aren't they excited about that? Because they are. And they're amongst people who don't know Jesus all the time. So it's everyone, everywhere, every day. You are with people who don't know Jesus all the time as well. And so our lives are about how do we help people find and follow Jesus? But it's also about the way that we structure what we do. And I've talked about this at the Vision uh, Gathering. We're getting some even just incredible things happening. Uh, People sending messages in and uh, people, um, a young guy on a skateboard two weeks ago, just skating down past this building and uh, stopped, 17 years of age, and uh, there's piercings everywhere, brilliant. And he stopped and he said, what are all you guys doing? What, what are you doing? And someone from the church told him it was a church and he doesn't believe it and didn't believe it and came in, sat in the service and filled in the connection card. I don't think he still believes it's a church. And... Uh, <laughs> And came back again this Sunday. And we have to be ready for that, don't we? Because we want to help people find and follow Jesus. Other churches can do whatever they want to do. That's absolutely great. And I'm sure that's their heart as well. And they can do lots of cool things. But the coolest thing we can ever do is to help someone to find and follow Jesus. And so the way we structure ourselves and what we do and what we don't do is primarily around helping people to find and follow Jesus. But it's also about the way we personally invest in relationships with people who don't currently know or follow Jesus. And part of that investment is the ability you and I have to invite. We have the ability to invite. In the New Testament, there are plenty of examples of people who helped others find and follow Jesus through exercising the power of what I want to call the Great Invitation. The woman of Samaria, she was sat at, or she went to the well at noon one day. She had a very checkered history uh, relationally, 
And so she went to the well at noon because she knew that's the hottest part of the day. No one in the community is going to be there. And so she was embarrassed. She was full of shame. And at the well was a man, not only a man, but a Jewish man, not only a Jewish man, but a rabbi Jewish man. And uh, that was three things that she thinks, okay, we don't talk. They don't talk to me. I don't talk to them. But Jesus did talk to her. And they had this conversation about water and life and worship and truth and spirit and all of this. And at the end of it, she runs back and she says, come see a man who told me everything I've ever done. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way towards him. She didn't preach to them. She gave them an invitation. She said, I can't explain to you it all because I don't get it all myself. But you need to come and see a man. Because he's changed my life. We can all do that. We can all do that. We don't have to be able to articulate how he's done that. Or do the apologetic thing and talk about the dinosaurs and all of that kind of where all that fits. But we can say, come and see a man who's changed my life. And they came out of the town. The man who, who Jesus healed of leprosy. And Jesus told the man, don't tell anyone what I've done for you. And there was a reason why he did that. But the Bible says in Mark 1.45, instead, <laughs> he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. He was mobbed because this guy couldn't stop talking about what Jesus had done for him. And he invited other people to meet the person who changed his life. You have a story that you can share. It may not be as dramatic as the woman at the well. It may not be as dramatic as the man who was healed of leprosy, but it is dramatic because once you were lost and now you're found. Once you were dead and now you're alive and you've got a story. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have a story and you can invite. And one of the best opportunities we get in the year to invite people to check Jesus out is Christmas. It really genuinely is. And I want to talk to you about something that I talked to you about last year. And I'm going to repeat it, okay, and add a few other things. And if you heard it, hear it again. Maybe you haven't heard it. Because you might be saying to yourself, maybe some of you have had other church experience as well. Why does this church put so much effort and energy into Christmas? I've often asked myself that question as well. As I've been listening to Christmas songs in July... I asked myself the question this July when the sun was shining bright, why am I listening to these jolly Christmas songs? Uh, I've asked myself the question, why are our amazingly talented musicians are going to learn 14 brand new songs that they'll only ever play over that Christmas production weekend? Why are our hardworking techs and servant-hearted technicians that we've got, why do, well, like, are they going to put in hundreds of extra hours? Literally hundreds of hours. Some of them are going to be sat here, volunteer time and staff time, and they're going to be programming lights for hundreds of hours so that we can do the very best production we can. Why do we do all of that? Why are so many people going to sign up to help with the car park? Why are so many of you going to sign up to help with the car park and on the welcome team and on the hosting team and on the refreshment team? Why are you going to do all that willingly and gladly? Why are you going to beg us to do that and say, Leon, what must we do to sign up for that? Why are we all going to do that? Why are we investing so much time, energy and money into this one-off season? Why are we going to do all that when we all know that on the day it might snow? <laughs> we do it because we're mad. No, we don't. We do it because this 
is the best opportunity to invite. It still is in our culture. I, 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 every time after the Christmas season's over and, and I sit with ministers of, of different kinds of churches and, and some that don't have all that we have, you know, but they'll all say, Christmas, so many people came. People still do that. Whether it's out of tradition or out of culture or whether it's because there's a spiritual yearning going on, maybe it's a bit of all three, I don't know. But you know, I want to talk to you about what is the why behind the what. So we know what we're going to do, but why are we doing it? And Proverbs 18 says, A gift opens the way for the giver. In another translation, it says, Giving a gift can open doors. And it can, can't it? Some of you are maybe already stressing about what gifts to buy your beloved. Not me and Alison, because we've done all our Christmas shopping. We did it last week. Yes, by the beginning of November. But on the big day, all the thought and the care and the attention to wrapping the presents and it's all gone in a flash, isn't it? (laughs) And your kids are often so focused on the next gift, they don't even notice the one that they've just opened. And the gift can get lost in the frenetic activity of opening the gifts. But you know, Jesus is the gift of gifts, isn't he? Jesus is the gift of gifts. And if a gift opens the way to the giver, what we're doing for our community is putting on something that we believe could open the way to the giver could be the greatest gift that people ever could receive. And I I, want to credit this because this isn't something original to me. This this little bit of a talk I want to do now is something I heard many years ago. Charlotte Scanlon Gamble from Life Church in Bradford did. And it's so good. It's so good. I want to pass it on. And she talked about a story that you never associate with Christmas. It's a story many of us will know from our Sunday school days. It's a story of a little guy called Zacchaeus. So let's tell us the story. Uh, And then I'm just going to bring out a couple of things. And then we're going to pray tonight. So it says, a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. So you could kind of say that he got everything, all right, because he got power and he got money and he got a position. But he wanted to see who Jesus was. And I still think, um, and I've just finished reading a fascinating book, okay, I won't go into it all now, um, but it's a fascinating book. And in the book, the guy says, and he's talking a lot about our culture and our world, he says, I think that people, and the way the phrase he uses, still have a mild crush on Jesus. It's like the problem isn't Jesus. The problem people have is the packaging and the, the, the Bible and the big questions and what Christianity is about and what does it mean to follow him. The problem's never Jesus, I don't think, really. And, and this guy wanted to see who Jesus was. But because he was short, that, I don't know where shortly came from, because he was short... <laughs> Just notice that there. Proof checking there. He could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, and he always does, doesn't he? When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. He always will. And what's so amazing about this story, oh, so is there another one? Oh, but Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today, salvation has come to this house. Because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. He, it's about helping people find and follow Jesus. It's a great story. And here's the connection I want to say with, with, with Christmas. You see, Zacchaeus wanted to see who Jesus was. And and I think people still do want to see who Jesus is. 
The problem is they can't see him. And for Zacchaeus, the reality was that, that there were two things stopping him seeing Jesus, his size and the crowd. He was too short, shortly, and the crowd was too big, and he just couldn't see Jesus. And the reality is, Christmas creates a bigger buzz for us than any other time of the year. It gives us an opportunity to help people get a better look at Jesus. That's why we do what we do. And... Um, this guy had two barriers, like I've said, his size and the size of the crowd. But it just happened that a tree was right where it needed to be. And it was the tree that enabled Zacchaeus to get a proper look at who Jesus was. And here's the thought. Here's the thought. Christmas provides the buzz. We have to provide the tree. It's genius. Christmas provides the buzz. We have to provide the tree. We have to provide an opportunity where people can climb up something and get a different look and a different perspective at who Jesus is. And that's why we do what we do. We don't want to make it difficult for people turning to God. And what we want to do is to provide a great tree. And what's even more dynamic about this is Jesus stopped for this guy and said, come down, I want to come to your house. I want to give you a guarantee tonight. We are going to provide some great trees this Christmas time. So people get a chance to get a better look or a different look or a new look or a fresh look at Jesus Christ. For us, primarily, the Christmas fair on that Friday at the end of November is one of those trees. Obviously, the production on the 8th and the 9th is the, the biggest thing that we're going to do there. And we're going to look at Rowley as well on that Sunday morning, the 9th, and do something special there and partnering with a local school so that lots of people in that community get a chance to climb up a tree and get a better look at Jesus. And then we have Christmas Eve as well, a late night service that we do at 11 o'clock, which over the last few years has grown and grown. And many more people are coming to that who aren't yet Christians, but who want to go to a late night service on Christmas Eve. These are trees that we can build that give other people a chance to get a better look at Jesus. That's worth it, isn't it? That's worth the hours of learning the songs, the hours of programming the lights, you know, all of the time of getting everything ready and uh, of, of welcoming people and putting out mince pies and, uh, and being friendly because we want to help people get a better look at who Jesus is. I'm going to guarantee you something. We'll provide great trees. We will also provide come down moments. Moments when we will invite people to take a fresh look at Jesus and enter into a relationship with him. Now, if they don't, that's their choice. Zacchaeus could have stayed up the tree. Jesus invited him down. He gave him a, a moment and an opportunity to come down. He could have stayed at the tree, but he said, hey, I'm going to give you a come down moment. We're going to give people a come down moment. An opportunity to say, I want to find out a little bit more about who this Jesus is. We'll provide the trees. We'll provide the come down moments. All of that's worthless if you and I don't invite. If you and I don't invite, it's a waste of time. Hallelujah. About 830 of you already have. Because that's how many tickets have gone. We are about 60% of capacity gone for the Christmas production, which is unheard of for us at this time of the year. It's absolutely great. The 11.30 is gone. We don't have any tickets for 11.30. We've held some back for the Christmas fair. 
If at the Christmas fair they don't go, then we'll release them again, okay, on that Friday night. So on the, on the last weekend before the Christmas production, there may be a few coming back up. But we're holding some back because we don't want to do a community event at the Christmas fair and then invite people to the Christmas production and not have a ticket for them, okay? So you understand that. So that's what we're doing. And uh, what, what I want to encourage you to do, how many of you are excited about that? It's a great opportunity. And I want to ask Sean if you could come back and let's stand together for a moment. Now, I want to just us to take a few moments um, of just praying into this season that we're about to enter. I know it's only November, um, but in five weeks' time, we will be at the Christmas event, which is a little scary because we haven't started rehearsing yet. But there you go. But we have started, but we haven't actually started. But we will. But we will. Um, so why don't you just turn in groups where you are and just begin to pray and um, take it down a bit, Sean, thanks. Just begin to pray and uh, just really begin to pray for the power of God this season. We want to do all we can do, okay? But the lights and the songs and the music and the fun and all of that, th that's going to help people, okay? It's not going to save them. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. And it may be in the simplest moment when Jesus walks into someone's life, when they come down from that tree and they say, I want to a relationship with you. I want to follow you. I want to find you. I want to enter into a relationship with you. That's what it's about. And for us, it may be that someone just says, I'll come back. I'll come back. I'll go on Alpha in January. That's amazing, isn't it? Because they're taking a step. They're coming down from the tree and taking a step towards Him. So just where you are, begin to pray uh, in groups and just begin to pray for God's power to be released. And then begin to pray for us. So great, Alison came back from work today and said, hey, I've invited some friends from work and they're coming for the first time and bringing their families. I'm inviting people, we invited lots of people last year. Many of them came, not all of them did. But you know, one in five people apparently are warm to an invite to come to church. That's the statistic. So, 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 so that's amazing because if all of us could think about five people that we could invite and we invited those five people and at least one of them came that'd be phenomenal wouldn't it that'd be phenomenal so why don't you just turn and let's just spend some moments just praying into this and just really pray that God would move but also that we would move as well that we would extend this great invitation for others let's pray Um, I want to just uh, shift gear a little bit with this um, because the great invitation isn't just for others, it's also for you as well. And, and there's a little verse, a couple of little verses that I heard someone speak on recently which really intrigued me. And uh, from the book of Mark, and uh, we'll just go with it, it says, Then Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him. They stood outside and sent word for him to come out and talk with them. There was a crowd sitting around Jesus and someone said, Your mother and your brothers are outside asking for you and it was like the people that knew him okay and that had relationship with him found themselves outside asking for him to come to them whereas actually what Jesus always wants is for us to come inside to him often in the in the Bible Jesus would say things like come to me follow me walk with me eat with me rest with me pray with me be with me Come up the mountainside with me. Jesus was always inviting his followers into a relationship with him. And I think this is quite a sad story where these guys come and they find themselves outside and Jesus is in the house. And I just want to say 
You know, it's great that we can be inspired to go and invite others to find and follow Jesus. But if we're not following him, there's something missing, isn't there? And maybe some of us get, find ourselves in a situation where actually we've stopped. We've stopped outside. We've kind of, we're outside the house inviting him to come to us when actually he's in the inside inviting us to come to him. Does it make sense? Uh, and maybe we found ourselves outside of that relationship with him. What keeps us outside when Jesus invites us inside? One of the things is familiarity. This stops us pursuing Jesus and expect him to come to us. It's not the first time that familiarity had taken a hold of Mary when it comes to Jesus. When Jesus was 12 and they went to Jerusalem, famous story in Luke's gospel, it says after the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth, but Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't miss him at first because they assumed he was among the other travellers. But when he didn't show up that evening, they started looking for him among their relatives and friends. Is it possible that we think he's with us when we've lost him? I don't mean theologically, like he's in by his spirit. I know that. I mean experientially. I mean, we assume because we're familiar, so we just go through the stuff. You know, sometimes I, I stop and I, I'm being really honest with you. And I think, oh God, am I just going through the motions and just saying words? Or are you really with me? Am I really experiencing a relationship with you? I had a little walk this morning on my own just before breakfast at this retreat. It's a beautiful uh, village in, in, in Evesham. And just, just 10 or 15 minutes, just... Loving God and saying, Jesus, you're so great. And then thinking, God, it's been a while since I felt that. Do you know what I mean? Because familiarity can breed, con not even contempt, but distance, can't it? And Jesus invites you guys. If you've found yourself locked outside or, or outside because of familiarity, Jesus invites you in. Jesus invites you in. Maybe it's weariness. And, and when I looked at what weariness means in the definition of weariness, it means extreme tiredness or fatigue. But this is interesting. Reluctance to see or experience any more of something. Isn't that interesting? Reluctance to see or experience any more of something. Could it be that we get weary even of experiencing God? Could we get weary maybe because of life? that actually that's caused us to be outside when he invites us inside. And Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens and I will give you rest. Maybe for some of us, it's not um, weariness and it's not familiarity. Maybe it's disappointment. You know, one of my favourite uh, disciples, probably my favourite disciple is Peter. And uh, that bit where, where, you know, you saw the cross on that beautiful song that we sang and, and when Peter denied Jesus three times and they crucified him and buried him and, and he went back to fishing and in John chapter 21, the resurrected Jesus appears to Peter again uh, or appears to Peter and, uh, and invites him to follow him. He says the same two words that he said to him right at the beginning. Follow me. Like a thousand, what is it in the song, Dan? A thousand billion, whatever it is, failures disappear. That's what he said. Say, so, hey, I know you've stuffed up, but just follow me. I know you're disappointed, but just follow me. And he invites you again. If you're disappointed with life, Jesus invites you to follow him again. And it may be, finally, that sin is the thing that stopped us pursuing him. Sin is the thing that's kept us outside when he wants us inside. 
And I read these verses today. But when the teachers of religious law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, why does he eat? And this is from the New Living Translation. Why does he eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I've come to call not those who think they're righteous, but those who know that they're sinners. Those who know that they're in a mess. That's who I've called. So listen, if you have sinned, Jesus says, come to me. But so often what we do as Christians is that we say, I've messed up. I've got this thing that's happened, that thing that I've done. And so we stay outside because we don't think we're worthy to go inside where Jesus invites us. But Jesus says, come. So I want to invite the band back up. And just in our last half an hour together, we want, I want to invite you. I think Jesus wants to invite you to come to him this evening. And it may be that for some of you, it is familiarity. You've just allowed yourselves to get so familiar with the things of God. Maybe for some of you, it's weariness. Maybe it's disappointment. Maybe it's sin. Maybe it's something else. But what it's done is it's caused you to kind of stop and, and almost like withdraw and be on the outside when Jesus invites you on the inside. And you know, before we extend a great invitation to others, maybe we ought to respond to the great invitation that Jesus has extended to us. So, tonight what we're going to do is I'm going to invite you. If you want to respond to Him and you say, hey, it's been a long time since I've experienced God. It's been a long time since I felt that connection with Him. Then I want to invite you just to say to him, God, that's me. And just to kind of put yourself in a place of response. You know, you know it's terrible, isn't it, when you invite someone to an event and they don't respond. Do you know what I mean? You know, and, and actually Jesus has invited us to more than an event, but a relationship with him. And he says, come to me, come to me, come to me. And I think every time we don't come to him, I think it breaks his heart. I really think it does. So I want to invite you to stand. I invite you to stand. And I want to, I want to just say, if, if, if that's you tonight and, and you, you want to respond to him, I want to invite you to come. And we don't do this very often now. You know, we're, we're aware of people, new people. We're aware of time and all of that kind of stuff. But, you know, this often, you know, the space at the front of church has often been referred to as an altar. And it isn't an altar, but it can be. Because an altar is something where we just say, hey, I want to acknowledge a space and a place and I want to acknowledge God and I want to meet with God there at that altar. When I was growing up, I brought, brought in the Salvation Army and we used to have a bench in front of the uh, platform and we called it the mercy seat. And um, what we would do is that we would go and kneel at the mercy seat and that was our altar. That was our place of meeting with Jesus. And I gave my life there at the age of 15 and a half to God. And... Um, I've been back many times and said, I said to God many years ago, every time God speaks to me, I'll respond. Even if I'm the one that's preaching or someone else is, I want to respond because I always want to be somebody who responds to the invitation that God gives to meet with Him. So I want to pray and then I want to invite you as we begin to sing this beautiful song that the guys introduced on Sunday. It says, I'll come to the altar. If that's you, I want to invite you to come and just to stand here and we want to pray with you and for you. Maybe it's been a long while. Maybe you've allowed the kind of crowd to keep you out of the house. And maybe you've allowed familiarity or disappointment or weariness or sin to keep you away from that relationship with Him. 
and He invites you. He invites you to come to the altar again. Jesus, I want to thank you that your arms are always outstretched and you invite us into relationship with you. And so Lord, I pray tonight, God, that maybe for some of us, maybe for many of us, I don't know, this would be a moment where we reconnect with you, where we reconnect with you, where we encounter you by your Spirit. Lord, even in the process of stepping out from our seat and walking down, God, may we experience you in that process of response to you. Maybe we won't feel anything, but Lord, by faith, we'll say, hey, I felt that was for me and I want to respond and I'm going to receive from you. Even if I don't feel anything, I'm going to receive because that's what faith does. That's what faith does. And so Jesus, we want to respond to you in Jesus' name. So as we begin to sing, I want to invite you. And if you want to come, then you just respond and we're going to pray with you this evening.